Hello, beautifuls. Welcome back to Her Sexual Space podcast. I am your host, Janice Leonard, licensed professional counselor and sex therapist here in Texas and Colorado. Before we get into today's episode, please note that while we aim for relevant and relatable topics to explore, these episodes are not a replacement or a substitute for your own relationship with a mental and or sexual health professional. This episode is sponsored by Simple Practice. Running a private practice is rewarding, but it can also be demanding. Simple Practice changes that. This practice management solution helps you focus on what's most important, your clients. By simplifying the business side of the private practice, like billing, scheduling, and even marketing. Stick around for a special offer at the end of this episode. Sexual Space Podcast. On the podcast today, we have Alex Fox. Alex Fox is a sensual scientist, contemporary courtesan, and a sex educator with a degree in psychology. She is certified in various somatic modalities such as sexological bodywork, mystical dance, massage therapy, tantra, Taoist, feminine arts, and yoga. Alex's sex work affirmative approach draws on over decades worth of industry insight to support erotically curious women to empower their everyday life through sensual embodiment and pleasure. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Janice. It's lovely to be here. Of course. And you are coming to us all the way from Sweden today. How's the temperature there and how's it over there? (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, there is about half a foot of snow just outside my door. And if I peel back the curtain, I would imagine there's some snow falling down. So it's lovely here. There's lots of like little Christmas lights. The Swedes do know how to celebrate Christmas. So Mm -hmm. it's quite, quite lovely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, what time is it over there? Uh, oh, it's sometime in the evening. Oh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's dark, but it gets dark at about three, three o'clock in the afternoon here. So it's yeah. dark at the moment. Nice. I like to give some context because it is 10 a.m. here in Texas and um, I'm just waking up and sounds like you're getting ready for bed soon. Yeah. What, oh, it's, it's about, just after 5 p.m. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you don't go uh-huh. to bed that early. Oh, well, it depends on what. What things I've been up to during my day. <laughs> right. All righty. So share with us, you know, of course, how you show up in the world, a little bit about your identity, um, whatever you want to share. Great. So uh, my identity, it's, you know, this question, like sometimes I tend to like avoid it because I always sort of see these ways of like, I am a woman. Like I, I mm-hmm. identify as as a woman, but more so like a, a wild woman, an erotically curious woman. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I suppose there's a provisor of, I always, um, say that 
the map's not the territory and words are our map for like understanding complex ideas and things. Mm -hmm. So when I say this, I'm saying it from a very sort of personal subjective place Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, so I identify as a woman. I love being in a delicious body that has a lovely set of ovaries and a delicious set of titties. <laughs> and so in that respect, you would, you would say that my sex is female. And what else? I love being in a monogamish relationship and I love exploring sexuality in an open and honest way. Yeah. Hmm. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. So share with us. And um, one of the things I was excited about is, you know, you shared that you're from New Zealand. What was your journey? Um, Because I know you work all over the world. So do you ever Mm -hmm. go back home or um, do you work all of those? You know, I wonder if you work mostly remotely. Um, Mm -hmm. Share with us how you navigate that. Given that we're at the very start of 2022, so in the last uh, couple of years, most certainly it's been remote. Um, And generally I tend to travel nonstop as I'm (laughs) fulfilling uh, hungers and learnings and yearnings to generally explore some more sexual education in some location or some tantric island somewhere or some school in the states or whatever um mm-hmm. but yeah i i've been yeah remote and sort of teaching classes online and working one on one with individuals um and uh prior to that time working very much one on one in person and hands on somatic sex education which is what i love love it love it <laughs> And we're going to get into that now. So mm-hmm. share with me the story of becoming a sex educator and a sensual scientist. What, what has that been like for you? Well, I like, oh yeah, considering this question, it opens up. Uh, it's something that I have grown into, you could say, or been training for my entire life, just from the awarenesses from growing up as a child in a medical family, uh, having two doctors as parents, having books like uh, The Joy of Sex and all these interesting books like all over um, our house and experiencing like with my sisters growing up would open up these books and be like incredibly turned on, which is um, we used to call it the tinglies when we were young. And it's like, oh, this feels really good. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of this innate curiosity as a child and growing up in the South Island of New Zealand where there's just lots of farms, lots of sheep and horses, and <laughs> everything. So you see reproduction happening often, you yeah. know where babies come from and it's kind of a natural part um, of the cycle of life. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah That's my, just what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so in that way I was very fortunate uh, to receive sex positive messaging growing up but also there was like uh, sex negative messaging. Like once I hit teenage years, I behaved mm-hmm. I was slightly naughty and, you know, people would, uh, you know, call me a slut and I hadn't even had sex yet or, <laughs> um, yeah, just like 
really interesting things. And like, I, I think of like sex education, one standout piece, as I recall, um, my boyfriend and I, we had been going out and we, this was like my first kind of long-term boyfriend and we had condoms and everything, practicing safe sex. And we're like, okay, we're, I was on the pill and all prepared. And, and, uh, we decided to go get six, um, STI testing and we did that. And, um, and I ended up getting HPV from my first long-term boyfriend, the human papilloma virus. And, and the shame, the utter shame that came from that. I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't tell my friends, most certainly not my parents. And the curious, the curious thing about this is the, um, the family planning clinic, when I went down and I uh, was getting treatment, they said, well, you've got this for life. And what was interesting is I had cleared the virus within a year and it never returned. And I lived in fear for many years after that, like, oh, it's going to return. And um, yeah, I just found it quite interesting to see. Yeah. And I love that you brought up, even as there were those sex positive things, there were those negative things, right? And I immediately you know, related to some of that as you talk about the teenage years and being a little naughty, right? Because that's what our brains do. That's what it tells us to do, <laughs> you know? And um, sometimes our parents and the people around us struggle with that transition. Um, but I mean, that didn't stop you. So I, I just wonder, even now as you do this work, um, is it something you'll talk about openly? Um, you know, I wonder what it's like, what it was like to you know, saying, well, this is what I want to be, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. this is what I want to do for work. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the first, the first time I kind of, you could say, come out of the closet, you could say, of, I want to be a total utter sex geek. I was <laughs> studying to become, um, I was wanting to get into veterinary science school and about two weeks into it, I'm like, oh, this isn't what I actually want to do. Mm-hmm. And I called up my, called up my parents. I'm like, uh, hi, I, I don't want to do this. Actually, I discovered that there's this whole thing called sexology and I could become a sexologist. And, and I had family members call me up and again, it was like a shaming experience. And, mm. and I ended up leaving the original track of university that I was on and just went traveling around the world for about five years and really exploring my own sex education. So studying, mm-hmm. um, like a lot of Tantra, yoga, Taoist techniques, studying, um, I became a sex worker and sensual dance and erotic dance. And I toured all over Australia doing that and explored, mm-hmm. um, I had five years of massage therapy background and as a massage therapist, I was very straight edge. And then, and then I, I was like, Oh, what is this sensual massage? about and this was after um doing dancing and exotic dancing and mm-hmm. I went into the central massage it's like wow this is like the most amazing modality why is this why is this kind of shoved under the carpet yes. <laughs> relegated into the corners of society like this is this is not kosher this is only for like you know desperate people or a certain type of, you know, this is like, you know, my almost like literally like a kink almost, I think. 
yeah, or a kink, or it's like if you if you go for a sensual massage, I don't know what it's like in your country, but you know, generally there's a, a stereotypical um, Thai massage shop, and uh, these people might be trafficked, and it's like mm. all these like so much stigma is involved in the sex work industry. And, and the most interesting piece about this is having been in there and worked in there, it was one of the most empowering experiences of my life. And, and realizing that the narrative that comes about sex work, it's not from the sex workers because most of the time there's such a shame that we're kind of like shoved like into the corner or, you know, forced into silence, you could say. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of like the media or the lawmakers or the, mm-hmm. the religious moralists or, you know, all these other people saying this is what it's like and this is what it's doing to our society. <laughs> and, and quite often these people are involved in it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's yeah. a little bit of guilt. Like <laughs> I know this through and through right. from all of those um, mm-hmm. industries I just spoke of. I have had any clients from all of those industries. So yeah. it's a very interesting paradox and a uh, curious place to play in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we see it with, of course, trip clubs and, and all of it, right? That plays out there too. But share with me about the empowerment piece. Let's explore that. Yeah. Because you yeah. are providing a service, so let's let's speak to that. Yeah. <laughs> so the the empowerment piece, you know, I first discovered this uh, entering striptease, and and I entered it, oh, you could say, by accident or coincidence or the synchronicity, whichever perspective you prefer to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first night of dancing prior to that I was cruising around different festivals and I was a little hula hoop chick and Mm -hmm. dancing I was barefoot hippie you could like plait the hairs coming out of my (laughs) arms and and this guy was like hey do you want to perform tonight in this club and I was like uh okay like completely like heart beating almost sweating and I went in there, I had these huge, like six foot, oh, not six foot, <laughs> six inch platform heels on. I got to like dress up and it's like, I could go into this persona or this aspect of my being that I had totally dreamed of, like the most sexiest being that I could imagine. I'm like, I'm going to be like that just for tonight. And, yeah. and the interesting thing is, is as I danced and explored like that, I realized that this was actually naturally inside of me. And this was a piece of me that was yearning to come out. And all the body insecurities, like women were like, we are, we are like totally um, disempowered when we are disconnected from our body, when Mm -hmm. we are disembodied, when we believe in the um, media ideals about what we should look like. Like I've got stretch marks, cellulite, I've got like wrinkles, I've got like all this, like, um, I have a body that I absolutely love and adore. And it Mm -hmm. took dancing for me to realize in front of like hundreds and thousands of people all around Australia that what we think of sexy and the ideal one, it doesn't exist. And two, that's not actually what people are after. And and this can be verified, one, by, well, you could, I don't know if you could go, could you go scientific with it? Well, you could say the people that walked out of the strip club with the most money in their pocket, 
they definitely weren't the most beautiful. Like <laughs> I danced beside Playboy bunnies and hustler centerfolds and all sorts. And, and looking a particular way doesn't necessarily mean you are sexy. Yeah. And once I clued onto this, I was like, wow. So when I'm in my body and expressing my innate sensuality, dancing in my own natural way, I'm not even trying to be like someone else. I'm just allowing what's inside me to be expressed in yeah. the moment with this particular person who may be sitting across me or in the front row of the audience while I'm two stories up on a pole. <laughs> um, yeah, it's incredibly empowering. And I think it's one of those things that comes from the inside out, but it also came from the outside in mm-hmm. with like, uh, it's not getting approval from other people. It's not that it's having like a hundred different people saying, yum, sexy ass or wow, fun legs or uh, belly or breath or smile or eyes. And it's like, wow, everyone is interested in something different. Yeah. And when we are looking for the beauty in someone we're focused and I'm not talking about physical beauty. You actually see the beauty in another person. And that's what, that's what I choose to speak to when engaging mm-hmm. with people. And that's what my clients, when I'm working with sensuality with them, this is a space from which we connect with ourselves in the space um, for sex workers who I work with. Uh, trained to teach them to work with others also. You know, and as you shared that, it reminded me, so recently I too took a pole fitness class for the first time. I have done some um, sling stuff, but I'd never done the pole. And my instructor was a 64-year-old lady, right? And when she shared that, and when I saw like the way she moved and the way she taught us, I was, you know, everything you just said, that's what Ah. came up for me. I was like, well, we all have this. Why do we think 64 year old women have to look a certain way? Right. So it starts to really unpack all of these things. Like, why do we think that? Why do I, why am I thinking like, whoa, like she should be here or is she a grandma? Like, why is my mind going to all of these things? And she's simply just leaving in her power and her truth. And she said she discovered this at, I think it was late forties or fifties. She discovered this Mm -hmm. world and then she just loved it. And she's been instructing. Um, We have this place in Dallas, um, Vertical Fitness. It's amazing. They do all type of like um, aerial yoga, dance, um, twerk classes, all the things. It's just a fun place to be. And um, I got to experience it. And what I realized too is, pole fitness and pole dancing is it isn't easy i left no. with my body feeling so sore <laughs> i feel like i worked every muscle you know just going on that pole and we did a little um we did a little routine which was fun right we did first mm-hmm. level stuff but i think it was it was fun to explore that part of me and do it with someone i trusted um, mm-hmm. i also did it with a friend um so that came up that that came up recently and um i plan to do it again <laughs> yeah well it's, it's really interesting you highlight some good points there <laughs> like you're doing a practice so when you're working with body it's it's not just something you do one and done like you it's actually a practice so it gets in your body and so you're actually feeling physical sensations Mm -hmm. and generally when you first start out with pole dancing it it gets a little sore you may get like a few (laughs) bruises on your shoes trying to climb up the pole but you also spoke about safety feeling safe to express and um what was that 
uh, Sheila Kelly's Strip Down, Rise Up that was on Netflix recently mm. or like in Sex, Love and Goop talking about somatic sexology, like these somatic practices, how important they are for actually creating a foundation for empowerment in women. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, love it. Mm-hmm. And I love that you brought up, you know, just the sex, love and goop because that too has brought up a lot of conversation around Tantra. And I think for the first time, a lot of people get to see, got to see what what that looks like, right? When you take it to that other level, can you speak to that? Just the practice of yeah, Tantra. Yeah, so Tantra, like, somatic sexology so it depends on which mm-hmm. which way so tantra and on, and on itself depending on which perspective there's different lineages you know the the sex you could say the sex interrelation part is actually only a very small piece similar to say like in yoga doing the asana is like just one branch of patanjali's eight mm-hmm. limbs so tantra is sort of a way of living it's a way of like falling in love with like with the divine as the divine. And when you're working, say, with, say, somatic sexology or sexological body work, it's kind of related more working with the body, with the sensations and having an embodied experience and not necessarily um, separating those two out. And one of the beautiful practices, you could say, inside of uh and I think Tantra does this also to an extent, depending on the teachers about being embodied or say like the, a lot of the, I practice like a shamanic sexuality. Um, I've been doing this for about eight years now where, you know, it's really focusing on being embodied because you can have these incredible, um, out of body experiences with tantric partners and lovers. But what's the point of doing that when you're not necessarily inside your body and meeting greeting reality as it is so it's like learning how to dance with the divine like as as above so below and so below as above and it's trying to weave these two um um aspects together mm-hmm. and yeah it's just it's um it's a wonderful inquiry and it's something that i totally recommend for people to do for themselves because how each person connects into their own whether they call it spirit or God or the everything, whatever that word is, mm-hmm. um, or what that indicates to uh, everyone has their own unique connection. And this is, this is the part, this is a part of about empowering your innate connection to life. And this is where sex comes into play because that's, that's where we all came from sex, you mm-hmm. know, without procreation none of us would be here and I think people forget that you know we came from someone people who decided to have unprotected sex really you know I feel like sometimes we forget that's where we all came from like when we look at another person that's where they came from but what I was wondering too what would be someone's what would be the barrier to getting there so I know a lot of us and I like to think of it um, and yeah, I know you've done psychology, so maybe this has come up, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? I'm mm-hmm. um, thinking, you know, basic needs. Like it almost seems as yeah. if, but I know pleasure is our birthright, but mm-hmm. I also feel like for some people to get there, and I hate to view it as self-actualization because 
we should be able to experience pleasure. But what we see is if someone is stressed, if there is unresolved trauma, if there is whatever else, if they don't feel fulfilled or accomplished in other areas of their life, um, sex and pleasure oftentimes take a back seat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what comes to mind when you speak is, so if we go into like the very base of Maslow's hierarchy, you've got food and sex and, you know, just the very basic functionings for survival, you could say, in the human species. And if we kind of use the the metaphor of food, for example, so, you know, we could eat something very basic and at like something very simple. So we could pick an apple off a tree and then you could go full fine art French cuisine where <laughs> it is the most sensuous, like, almost like a divine experience yeah. just to eat this like delicious, something as simple as an omelet, mm-hmm. you could say, could just create such a, um, a pleasurable state through the body. And so we could, sex, you could almost view it in a similar way. We could have the perfunctory sort of approach to sex for procreation. But mm-hmm. then when we think about it, what about utilizing the benefits of sex and uh, sexual intercourse of pleasure for the actual health of the body? We know mm-hmm. that orgasm creates um, delicious health benefits such as stress relieving. It changes the yeah. state of your body. And this is as a somatic educator it's really um, finding a way to access these states of pleasure in a relaxed way so that you enter into a space of curiosity rather than I've got to do sex, which is often a place where (laughs) women who haven't allowed their bodies to um, enter into full states of arousal or engorgement, which, you know, takes about 15, 20 minutes and so you've got these different biological changes that happens. And without education, uh, we can be stuck, you know, just in the, the basic forms of sex without ever exploring the higher states yeah. of pleasure or orgasm. And Tantra is a path of realization, you could say, through an embodied experience, through the body. Somatic sexology is a way to experience and understand oneself, like self-knowledge about the body and even more than that, how do you engage with the world and have more presence with the world? And when we're more present with the world, we're more therefore not just ourselves, we're therefore our families, our communities, our business. Mm -hmm. And overall it enlivens, it has the capacity to enliven the entire world. And this is connected to the top of Mezzo's hierarchy of self-actualization. It Mm -hmm. is a path. If you make it and turn it into a practice, practice being the, the word here Mm -hmm. where, where you use it as a way to refine your character, to refine yourself and explore. Love that. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for even just using the apple, right? I think that was an amazing way to really, you know, make that connection. Thank you so much for that. So I wonder, you've worked in lots of different countries. So what do you, what attitudes do you see towards sex? And I had this idea for a series on 
sex around the world. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I would love to hear from you. You know, what do you see in terms of how, you know, the approach is in one country versus another? And, you know, where do you feel like there is more of a, you know, progressive attitude and positive attitude towards sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful question. So, um, it really depends. Um, so I, I can speak only subjectively here <laughs> from my uh, experience and from the different ways that I have engaged with uh, sex around the world from a professional stance. And if I speak from a personal stance with sexual partners from around the world, well, it would elicit a different answer. So I'll speak from a professional perspective here. Um, so the most progressive, I would say, would definitely be working in Australia, for example, mm. in a state like New South Wales, where the sex laws, the the regulations are what's called decriminalized, which works in favor for sex workers, yeah. anyone that's working with sex, because it helps protect the sex workers' rights. Okay. And it also allows not just the rights but access to health care. It gives privacy where needed and and it kind of gives the uh, sex worker the opportunity to be fully in consent with the work mm-hmm. to operate safely. So just over the border, I lived in a little town called Tweed Heads for a while and I was literally right on the border between New South Wales and Queensland. Mm-hmm. Now, Queensland, on the other hand, they have very different rules mm-hmm. where um, you can work individually at home and they're very strict on how you can advertise. For example, you can't say, you can't say I'm a sex worker and you can't say I'm offering massage. So they're very restrictive. And if say, for example, if I wanted to be a little safer and have a friend work with me or even in the same place, you'd be done for being a brothel because there's more than one person. Mm. So there's like every state in Australia has got slightly different rules. And then you go over to places where it's like, you've kind of like where I'm at right now, the Nordic model, which which is a little bit challenging, I've found. I haven't entered uh, sex work in the traditional sense here, mm-hmm. predominantly because I like to screen clients. I like yeah, to know course. their name. I yeah. like to get the details. I have a very strict screening process before I even meet these people. And when, when viewing the Nordic model, it, it views the sex worker almost as a victim. And mm. just from that state and it's, Self, it's like you're automatically one there's not just the judgment but it's it's a pretty codependent way of operating so one the the client like they're not going to want to disclose their information because they're going to be the ones who get put in jail mm. they're going to be the ones that get fined like there was a recent um pop star over here and he um i think he had sex with someone and it was like completely sensationalized all over the news and it's like, man, like tough gig <laughs> being a person that wants to experience pleasure with another person. Like, yeah. yeah, you're almost like kind of forced underground. And that's similar with criminalization. So 
um, say, for example, in the majority of America, maybe with the exception of Nevada, maybe another place, mm-hmm. um, where it really forces people and sex workers underground. And the challenge with that is, is that people can, it makes them even more vulnerable. Uh, It it keeps people on the streets if they're outdoor sex workers or even indoor sex workers. Uh, um, It's dangerous. It it exasperates, I'm already doing something illegal. It exasperates violence. It exasperates um, police um, corruption, you could say. There's many examples through literature and research. Um, I wrote a paper about this in one of my final courses at uni and the corruption where you're being raped, where people being raped by police officers and you can't, or they can get off if they um, give a police officer a blowjob. And this isn't a stab at Mm -hmm. the police in general. It's just, this is what happens when something becomes criminalized and it's not an empowering state for sex workers to work in that yeah you're, you're pretty much making a victim or someone that's an outcast and what are you going to do once you've got a criminal conviction how are you going to get another job so it's keeping people locked in and oh and actually oh, I wonder if I can recall the stats I think it took on average nine times nine attempts for sex workers who desire to leave the industry to actually leave and find steps to navigate. So that's, you know, that's one of the areas that I work in. I help sex workers enter and leave the industry in safe ways. Yeah. Did that answer your question or did I just go on a total tangent? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, no, that, I mean, that was very informational because I think a lot of us are not very clear on what Mm. what that looks like Mm -hmm. um, on the other side you know so that definitely gives us some insight mm-hmm. um any any barriers you personally have come across because i you know i know your your work covers various you know spaces mm-hmm. so i wonder any particular barriers that you have um maybe come across in some of those countries i think it's really just understanding i see that the the sex work laws I, there could be a correlation i haven't read research about it at this stage but often the sex work laws are reflective of the society in general and this Mm. is just my this is just my observation um and and I see it's very different over here in Sweden um you know this is in the you could say in the Nordic countries there's a strong uh gender equality going on there's a strong like feminism you could say impulse into the space yeah as I said before when the what sex work is uh when people who aren't actually sex workers are creating the laws and creating the stereotypes and creating Mm -hmm. the stigma and the sensationalism around it it's not actually truth it's not actually the way that it is and so it can be very different um, moving between different countries. So generally when I'm in a country, I tune in, I get a sense, I feel for, I maybe communicate to people in the community if I can reach out um, or I read up on, so uh, Scarlet Alliance in Australia is like a fantastic resource. So I look for 
who are the who are the bodies um, who are supporting sex workers, mm-hmm. and I may go to their websites and okay. just learn about that. And this okay. isn't this isn't just like learning about sex work. This is to understand yeah. how does this country or mm-hmm. what are the general views about sex, and what can I expect? Yeah. Is it going to be, you know, am I going to you know, be like, you know, uh, a whore from years and hundreds of years ago, walking down and being stripped and walk, you know, thrown to walk down naked through the streets with rotten food thrown at me, or am I going to be embraced like a courtesan, um, an honest courtesan, mm-hmm. um, and have the King's ear, you know what yeah. I mean? So mm-hmm. it, it's got this full spectrum and yeah. Yeah, so research is... Yeah, that's, it sounds like research is, is yeah. a huge factor, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. the key to, um, one, to see what barriers are there mm-hmm. and it's the, it's the first step to exploring how, yeah. how can I engage safely mm-hmm. with the space. Yeah, for sure. How, how can you show up? Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's shift gears for a little bit. So I know you offer some courses, um, you know, I want you to share with our listeners, um, what work, um, what courses that you offer and what working with you, um, can look like. Great. So I predominantly work with erotically curious women. And what I mean by that, uh, is women who are interested in learning about their sexuality, pleasure, and the area that I focus most on is sensuality. This is like my utter area of focus, Mm -hmm. purely because when we're connecting with the senses, we're connecting with the presence, we're connecting with the present time, we're connecting with our body, we're connecting with sensation, and, and it doesn't get polarized into terms of, uh, you're just dealing with, hey, what is the sensation here? Mm-hmm. What is going on here? And when we're exploring sensuality, I have one program called Ignite Your Sensuality, okay. which is my premier program where a woman allows to explore her erotic essence and get to know herself, her own unique expression, her own unique signature. So yes. it's not copycatting, not copycatting it's not copycatting <laughs> Copy what, yeah, well, it's not, yeah you don't want to be a, another one of me but there's already right. one of me it's mm-hmm. like exploring like how can you be the most authentic version of yourself and express your innate naturalness through the senses and when I talk about sensuality it's a little bit different than sensuous like sensual is like bringing the erotic presence through the senses and engaging with the world around you mm-hmm. and allowing that world to engage with you. And so it's, uh, working with things like nature, uh, with the elements, with dance, yes. different, and I create all these delicious layers as the modules go through and mm-hmm. the beta version users have loved it. And it's just on the final, uh, it's been updated. So okay. it's really, um, yeah, it's really blossomed and I absolutely love it. So that's one, one offering that, I do. I also offer like sex work series courses for people who are interested in learning about sex work. Okay. Um, sensual dance, like monthly circles where people get to tap into their body. Um, I had a course last year called 13 Moons where women would gather every moon and would get to connect with um, 
with the external patterns, such as the moon exploring, what are the patterns inside of our body, inside of our sensuality? So I got to kind of merge different aspects using what I call the sacred sensual science methodology. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of like goes through like all of my work. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course I work one-on-one with coaching, somatic coaching, where people really explore what's up for them. And it could be anything from um, a housewife who their relationship sexually has somewhat dwindled and they'd like to re-spark it and how to do that in a curious way. And and just these beautiful, effective, um, curious approaches to explore, hmm, how can, can we invite more pleasure into daily life? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of... Yeah, that's kind of the crux of what I love to share with people in this day. Great themes, great themes. So what does working with you look like? So I know you said it's mostly remotely. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, Any in person? So as you're in Sweden right now, I wonder if you're, you have any clients there? Yeah, yeah, thank you. So I have uh, remote clients and as I've just got residency here. Uh, okay. Now I can start uh, offering um, workshops, uh, working at uh, different like tantric festivals okay. and working. I, I was actually organizing what's called a Central Week Retreat over in Mexico. Oh, nice. Um, where people can come together and we actually learn this all these delicious skills of sensuality and develop like essential sophistication within our being. So yes, there's sort of courses and in-person courses and workshops being developed right now. And it's just kind of a timing with what's going on in the world of mm-hmm. when to do it uh, safely yes. and in a way that's really honoring that. mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, so let's see here. Um, so for someone who's never, you know, experienced any of that or, you know, I just wonder like what type of inquiries do you get and what does that look like when someone has never tapped into any of that? Do you see that there's long-term, um, interest or, mm-hmm. you know, are they ever intimidated by what, what that can look like, the processes and, also, I wonder how religious, you know, I, I wonder if you have clients who are religious who are starting to tap into, because I feel like some people feel like all of these things are separate when all of that is within us. So I just wonder what, what does that look like? Yeah, well, um, I suppose a good place to start with is you could, I could just start with like defining like what actually is somatic sexology mm-hmm. for someone that's never actually learned about it so that it's not daunting and these random words being thrown Mm -hmm. at you. So like somatic sexology, like if we break down what is the word soma, so it's a Greek word which means um, the living body or focusing awareness through the body, you could also say. And sexology, the suffix ology means the study of. So it's a scientific study of sex. Mm -hmm. And so when we pair this up, it's um, the science of sex um, with awareness through the body. So using the body as a medium and an an embodied um, experience to explore oneself. And so it's very Mm -hmm. client-centered. I don't tell you what to do. It's more we go on a journey together and we explore what's 
what's going on for you and and where would we like to um generally like an intent gets set we connect in with generally like there may be touch there may not be touch there may be generally like a breathing exercise yes. mm-hmm. it could be talking in person just between uh, the client and I or the student and I and then they go home and do the practices themselves some people prefer in person some mm-hmm. people and couples prefer to do it like maybe they are actually on their bed while I am talking to them from a different place in the world yeah. and they're exploring mm-hmm. together and and it's just and and it's really just creating like a, a safe space and and it's really creating a consensual space which is you know consent is such a um cornerstone of somatic sexology and understanding like what consent is is it for me or is it for you am am I doing the doing in touch or are you doing the doing in touch and it's just helping a person to learn what's actually in the space for them okay. so they they create the foundation so that they're not relying on me but they can create an empowerment and embodiment in their own individual expression. So I can work with people sometimes that just in a couple of sessions, sometimes it's four or five sessions. And then there's other people who just like regular check-ins and who like to um, check in every month and explore a new exploration because they like the playful approach, (laughs) (laughs) which is just a whole lot of goodness. Yeah. You know, it's it's so individual. Yeah. I love that you said playful approach because I feel like the, the partners, the couples who do very well, that is a very, that that is key. That is key to, that playfulness is key to, you know, just growing and, you know, increasing connection. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, well, a play, you know, there's so much like shame and guilt around our sexuality. Like we should be the best, like, you know, we should be the best in bed, even though we've, we've never actually been given the tools to practice where, you know, one example, one metaphor that's often used is we're expected to, you know, do the goal winning kick for the NFL yet we haven't (laughs) even learned how to pass the ball. Right. (laughs) You know, so there's this huge expectation. Mm -hmm. And so really like when we're working together, we just let that all out and just be present with what is and allow the pleasure to guide and to follow pleasure. And that's really what we are exploring, like following the sensations to, to an inner state so that we are entraining the nervous system. So we have the capacity to upregulate or downregulate our nervous system as we desire. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This is, this is rich is really good information for our listeners. And I wonder, you know, I know you have a lot of resources on your website, but do you have maybe something like a script or something you share that help people get into that space, that mindfulness, that presence, um, mm-hmm. especially when they are with Another yeah. partner. And I like to say practice with yourself first before we, we get with a partner, but I know, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I do have, it's a little 14 day uh, journey to sensual confidence mm-hmm. uh, uh, program where it's just like, it's, it's like a little downloadable and each day there's like a, 
Sometimes there's a script in there. Generally, I always start with the breath. It's yes. it's our connection between the inner world and the outer world. Yeah. And it's just getting curious. It doesn't need to be forcing the breath into a particular way. Um, so there's many, many um, breathing exercises. We could do one right now if you desire. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, great. <laughs> Okay, so lovely listeners, if you desire and if it feels good for you at this time and you feel safe and this feels like something that you are open and curious to, just for the next minute or so, we will just explore a few breaths together and you're welcome to close your eyes if that feels comfortable and if you prefer to keep them open, it's also okay. So just feeling your sit bones, if you are sitting, just feeling how they are touching the ground, chair, sofa, couch beneath you. And as you are breathing, just allow your spine to just elongate towards the sky above you. Just feeling a slight elongation. And just becoming aware of your breath. Exploring the inhalation and exhalation. Feeling how this breath is entering in through the nostrils. And then exhaling out through the nostrils. becoming aware of how the breath expands inside of your body on the inhalation. Explore, is it expanding the chest? Or maybe the breath is expanding all the way down into the belly and expanding the belly out on the inhalation. And maybe noticing on the exhalation, maybe the belly's moving towards the spine. And becoming aware of as you breathe, where else in your body are you feeling sensations? Maybe you're observing the sensation of breath moving down through the arms. Maybe you're observing the breath like down in your pelvic bowl, all the way down in your pelvis. So maybe on the inhalation, expanding the breath all the way down to where your sit bones are. Becoming aware of any sensations that you feel inside the pelvic bowl. And then on the next inhalation, breathing like down through the legs. And they're like these hollow straws that connect all the way down to the earth below. And then as you exhale, be allowing yourself to explore an audible exhale 
with any sound you so choose, just releasing anything that is in your body at this time and just giving a sound to it. And then just for one more breath, just inhaling and exhaling. Maybe thanking your body, allowing your eyes to peel open if it feels comfortable to do so. And just coming back into the space around you. So, Janice, I have a question for you. What do you notice in your body right now as we speak? What do you notice? So coming back. <laughs> yeah, great. It, it just mostly relief, um, mm-hmm. release. Um, I hadn't done this for today or in a while, so just letting that go. Um, I felt very connected with my breasts for some reason as I was, you know, I was, I find myself and I'm not naked, I'm clothed, but I felt Mm -hmm. very connected with my, my chest and my, my breast. And of course my pelvic bone, um, that's something I'm trying to connect with more intentionally (laughs) these days, Mm -hmm. um, with my workouts. Um, so yeah. Yeah. There's that connection with those parts. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so this is really um, the, the oh, I wouldn't say core, but it's one of the aspects of, of the nature of how this body of work works. It's connecting in through the body, observing the sensations, maybe observing the different states and their mental the emotional, the physical, the spiritual, and the erotic aspects of our being. You mentioned breasts, like maybe there was a stimulation, maybe it was just the awareness of the clothes touching the the breasts. And if we were to continue in a session together, depending on what desire to do, we could I'm going to continue exploring that and allow the sensations to guide the session, for example. And so that's a really delicious way for the listeners out there who are just wanting to access, hmm, how could I erotically, curiously explore myself in this moment? And just taking a couple of minutes to breathe in an explorative way, what it does is it can activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is a wonderful way to explore pleasure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. This was certainly a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is going to have to be a bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So any final words for our audience um, as we wind down? Yeah, it's it's really uh, final words. Let me just, uh, you deserve to explore like your your innate essence of who you truly are and and eroticism, sensuality and your sexuality is a fantastic tool to access your innermost nature. And so allow allow your curiosity to 
guide yourself in your future explorations and to really honor yourself and 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 don't believe anything I say. Try these things out for yourself. Right. You are the genius <laughs> of your own being and body. Yes. Yeah, and that's what I like to say. Awesome. Where mm-hmm. can our listeners uh, find you and connect with you? Oh, yeah. So you want to find me at alexfox.com. That's fox with a double X. So A-L-E-X-F-O-X-X.com for that Ignite Your Sensuality courses and um, some of my other offerings and workshops and online coaching. Um, also on Facebook, Alex Fox and Instagram. I just started it back up again. I okay. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Cause you uh, lost your account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got pulled off. That's the, uh, <laughs> the delicate art of working in this yes. um, nature, even as a sex educator, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it can tend to get censored sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, alexfox.com. That's a great way to get in touch. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with our listeners and sharing with me um, just a little bit more about your work. I don't think we said it in the beginning, but we connected through Sexual Health Alliance, um, which is, you know, the sex educate and sex therapy um, program, although we they offer a number of programs now. Um, so just our listeners, you know, have a frame of reference <laughs> as yeah. to how we connected. Awesome. Yeah, I, I absolutely love Sexual Health Alliance. Yes. They do a fantastic job of being radical in their approach to sexuality and sex education and yeah it's wonderful Mm -hmm. thank you so much Janice I I absolutely love what you're doing also it's uh, great to see empowered women getting information out there to support other people to empower their lives yes so thank you for your work also thank you so much couldn't do it without all of your amazing guests (laughs) (laughs) awesome well thank you so much absolutely my pleasure bye bye Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on socials, and leave us a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can check out our new website at www.sexualspace.com or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Sexual Space and Her Sexual Space Podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Bye. This episode has been sponsored by Simple Practice, the leading practice management platform for private practitioners everywhere. More than 100,000 professionals use Simple Practice to power telehealth sessions, schedule appointments, file insurance claims, market their practice, and so much more, all on one HIPAA-compliant platform. Get your first $100 towards your first month of Simple Practice when you sign up for an account today. This exclusive offer is valid for new customers only. Go to www.simplepractice.com slash hersexualspace to learn more.